Great, thank you, Emmy. You're doing a grand job. Emmy, well done. You made it through the notices, the hardest bit. <laughs> um, yeah, so welcome. Um, as Emmy said, my name's Rob. I'm part of the leadership team here at Christchurch. I'd love to extend my welcome to you as well um, and to those joining us online as well. Um, I was supposed to be bringing this word last week, um, but unfortunately, COVID got the better of me um, and Georgia as well. So thank you for your prayers and encouragement. And we're both fine and negative now, so we're allowed out. So thank you. Um, and on that note, thank you, Sai and uh, Dunk, for stepping in last minute. Um, I did a fantastic job last week. So thank you. Um, as you might not, uh, already know, we're going through a series on discipleship, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, uh, thinking about how we can be more Christ-like in different areas, like being filled with the Spirit, reading the Bible, evangelism last week. Uh, today we're looking at prayer, and so uh, we're thinking today, what is prayer and, uh, and how do we pray? So just to start off with, prayer is very simply personal communication with God. It's us talking with God, put simply. And I want to keep it simple today. So on that note, a few little interesting facts about talking, because I love, I love interesting facts. How many words do you think, on average, people use every day? Any ideas? <laughs> well, interesting you say that. Interesting you say that. Men and women, apparently, against you know, most, what most people think, apparently speak, on average, the same number of words, roughly. Although, although I did read that, women, that men interrupt three times more than men. <laughs> I don't know how that is to you. So, on average, we use about 16,000 words a day. Wow. I don't know if you think that's more or less for yourself. Don't have to answer. And apparently, we spend about 60% of our conversation talking about ourselves. And on social media, 80% just about ourselves. Okay, can you guess this one? On average, every Briton spends five months of their whole life speaking about what subject? The weather. The weather, yeah. Five months. I don't know how they work these out. It's from the internet, so don't quote me on it. Okay, some Guinness World Records then about talking. Steve Woodmore holds the world record for the fastest speaker. How many words do you think he can speak every minute? 250, good guess. Thousand, not quite so many. 637 words a minute. God, I could get through this preach really quickly if I spoke that quickly. Okay. Longest telephone conversation. World record. How, many, how long do you think in hours? Any guesses? Sorry? 48. A bit more. 54 hours and four minutes. And according to the Guinness World Records, the rules are it has to be continual conversation and no repetition of topics. Wow. Okay, last one. I hope this isn't the best bit of my preach today, by the way. Um, last one. The longest speech, continual speech from one person, set in Nepal in 2018. Any guesses? One continuous speech. Six hours? Seventeen? It's actually a staggering 90 hours and two minutes. 90 hours of continual talking from one person. And I'm not going to try and attempt to beat that today. Don't worry. So, talking. That's what prayer is about. It's about talking with God. And if we want to be more like Christ, then what better way than to look to, to Jesus as an example? The disciples took this approach. They came to Jesus and said, Jesus, teach us to pray. And that's when he taught them the Lord's Prayer. So I'm going to be looking at part of the Lord's Prayer today. 
Like the disciples, we need to learn to pray like Jesus. Why did they ask him? Well, after spending so much time with Jesus, they clearly saw in him a lifestyle of prayer that they wanted to emulate. They had the privilege of seeing him pray, hearing what he prayed about, how he prayed. They would have seen him rise early and go to be alone in prayer. They would have seen him wrestle in prayer, retreat from the crowds to be alone again. And they would have witnessed him praying in the garden the night before he was uh, crucified. Jesus allowed them to see that intimate relationship that Jesus had with his father through prayer. They clearly saw something in the way he prayed that they wanted to emulate. And as disciples ourselves, we can't go wrong by following Jesus' example too. As I was preparing for this, I really feel that God wants to renew our hearts to pray. And I want us to stop and consider how we can be closer to him in prayer. Of course, it's good to pray with others and to be at prayer meetings and to pray uh, on a Sunday, but I really want to focus today about our individual prayer with God because everything flows from that. I really believe that God is inviting us back to pray, to spend time with him and to grow in faith. And I really want to keep it simple today. I don't want to overcomplicate it. You know, there's so much we can ask about prayer, isn't there? You know, how do we pray? How long should we pray? When should we pray? What kind of words should we use? Um, why do we even need to pray? Um, and I'll address some of those things, but, I, but this is not a how to get better at prayer talk, okay? Instead, I really want this to be an invitation to come to God, simply to be in his, impre- be in his presence and to enjoy spending time just talking with him. I do want to keep it simple today. So we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer, and if you've got a Bible, if you want to turn to um, Matthew chapter 6. So the, the Lord's Prayer, sometimes called the Disciples' Prayer, um, appears twice in the New Testament. Once in Luke 11, which is when the disciples said, Jesus, teach us to pray, and he taught them the Lord's Prayer. But it also appears in Matthew 6 as part of the Sermon on the Mount, and that's the one I'm going to look at today. And it's a very familiar prayer. Um, I don't know how many of you know it off by heart. In some churches, or in many churches, it's said every single Sunday. As a child, I grew up going to church, and we said it, I think, every Sunday. Um, I was part of the boys' brigade as a kid, and I had to learn it to get a badge. So it's still there, even with the thighs and the trespasses version. Um, And it's important to say before we look at the prayer that we aren't required to repeat it word for word. We can, of course, but most would agree that it's a model prayer. Jesus is teaching us how to pray and what to pray for. So let's look at it, Matthew 6. The words should be behind me. So starting at verse 5. Jesus said, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for their Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
So Jesus begins this with, by saying, when you pray. And that's my first point today. Let's be clear, as disciples of Jesus, there is an expectation to pray. But it's not a duty, a religious requirement, but a relationship. An invitation just to talk to our Heavenly Father. When I come home from work or when the children come back from school, you know, there's an expectation that we talk about our day. It's not a duty, but it's part of our relationship as a family. It's good to talk. Although I'm sure as parents, you might find the same thing in my house. The children come home. How was your day? Fine. What did you do? Nothing. Anyone else like that? Yeah. <laughs> but actually, it's part of being a family, isn't it? It's talking. We don't have to talk, but it's good to talk. It's important that we do. And that's the same with prayer. Think about someone you're close to. Do you talk to them a lot because you have a close relationship? Or do you have a close relationship because you talk to them a lot? It's both, isn't it? They work hand in hand. And that's the same with prayer. The more we pray, the closer we'll be to God. And the closer we are to God, the more we're going to pray. Look at what Jesus says next. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues at street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Jesus is reminding us here that this is how some people pray. And he says, don't be like them. Now, he's not talking about public prayer. He's not saying don't pray out in public or in front of others because Jesus did. The early, uh, the early church did. We do. That's important. But Jesus is addressing their hearts, the motivation for why they're praying. They wanted to be seen and noticed by others so they can say, well done, great prayer. But that's not what it's about. Prayer is not about what other people think, what other people see or hear you doing. But instead, my next point Jesus says, go into your room and shut the door. So, and pray to your Father who's in secret, or in some translations, unseen. And your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. Prayer is about our personal relationship with God alone. It's about the time that we spend focusing on Him. Why go into the room and shut the door? Well, because no one else can see. And that's the point. What do you gain from prayer on your own but time with God and intimacy with him? And that's the reward that Jesus is talking about. If you pray out loud hoping that others are going to see it and say, well done, then maybe they will, but that's it. That's your reward. But when we pray, God sees our heart. And there's an invitation just to come, just to be as you are, you and him alone. Now, we live in a culture where there's so much pressure, isn't there, about image and what other people see and think of you. And many people really feel that pressure. But I find it so refreshing that Jesus is saying, shut the door and all that. Just come and spend time with him. Fully accepted. Come as you are. God isn't looking for a performance or your achievement or appearance. He just wants you. Does it have to be a room with a closed door? I don't know if you're wondering that question, but I don't think so. The principle is about time alone with God in prayer. You know, some people like to go and walk when they pray. Uh, some people like to maybe sit in the car before they get to work, just time on their own. Others have a favorite chair in the house. I don't know where you like to pray. There's a well-known story that's worth sharing about Susanna Wesley. Some of you would have heard of her. She had 11 children, including John Wesley, who started the Methodist Church, and Charles Wesley, who wrote thousands of hymns. In that busyness of that home with all those children, when it was her time to pray, she sat in a chair and she put her apron over her head. 
That was, her that was her shutting the door. And when she put her apron over her head, the children knew never to disturb her because that was her quiet time with God. That was her prayer time. That might work for you as well. <laughs> in, uh, in the Gospels, we read that Jesus would rise early and go and be alone in prayer. He would retreat from the crowds after busy times. He would sometimes send the disciples ahead just to stay on his own and pray. And making time to pray is really good for us. Jesus did this, and I would really encourage you, if you're not, try and make time in the day to stop and simply be in God's presence and pray. Shut the door or find that quiet place of your own. Just to enjoy God's presence. It's a really good habit. But actually, prayer is not just about one moment in the day. It should be ongoing. Uh, Rick Warren, in his book, uh, Purpose Driven Life, he encourages us to pray continually through the day. And that chapter that he writes is called Being Best Friends with God. Because he says it's about develop, developing that relationship all day, all throughout the day. And Paul encourages all the early churches to do this too. If you look at uh, what he said to the Thessalonians, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. To the Ephesians, pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To the Colossians, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And to the Romans, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. So prayer is, if prayer is communicating with God, just like any relationship, it can be in different forms, in different ways. Just like this morning, we had uh, different ways that God was speaking to us. Think about someone you care about, a friend, a spouse, a family member, you know, there are sometimes times, aren't there, when you just send them a quick message, ask a question, tell them something interesting or important. Sometimes it's a quick shout-out for help or something you need, and other times it's longer heart-to-hearts, isn't it? And that's the same with God. Setting time aside is really helpful, but actually we should be praying throughout the day, whole day about anything, about everything, anywhere, anytime. If we feel like we have to fit prayer in, then a certain, uh, sorry, if we have to feel like we have to fit prayer in a certain amount of time, then perhaps it can become something that we just have to do. Tick, I've done my prayers for today, now I can move on. If we think like that, then perhaps we've missed the point of prayer, because if prayer is an ongoing relationship with God, then we can't just tick off and done it and switch God off for the rest of the day. Instead, we have the privilege of walking with God throughout the whole day involving him in absolutely everything, continual communication. We can have deep, extended times of prayer, but also quick, spontaneous prayers too. For me, I, like to, well, I aim to try and make time first thing in the morning to spend with God. If I'm honest, sometimes I struggle with that. But I also aim to pray throughout the day too. As I go into work, perhaps going into a meeting, in the middle of a tricky situation, Sometimes you receive a text about someone, perhaps someone's unwell or someone's struggling, I can stop and pray about it. Perhaps there's things in the day that stop me in my tracks and I just want to thank God for it there and then. And sometimes I need to stop and just say sorry to God in prayer. I like to say the prayers just before I go to sleep, thank God for the day. And as we all know at the moment, things in the news, you see something and it just makes you want to stop and pray. So we can have those deep times and long times, extended times that we put aside, but also Let's make time to just stop and pray wherever we are as we're doing anything in a day. So what's the next thing Jesus says? 
He says, prayer is not about heaping up empty phrases in verse 7. Jesus teaches us not to pray like the Gentiles or pagans in other translations. See, what they did was pray to their God by repeating their uh, God's name over and over again, repeating the same phrases, the same words over and over again, and hopefully God will do something about it. And Jesus is saying, don't let your prayers be mechanical or automatic like that. You've got to engage with the heart. Controversially, perhaps, but even the Lord's Prayer could become like this. We could just say the words without even thinking about it. How many times have you driven home in the car and not even thought about the journey? Jesus doesn't want our prayers to be like that. He doesn't want us to be on autopilot and just say the same words. As I've already said, I think sometimes we can see prayer as just something Christians do. And Jesus is giving an example of people who do prayer. And if they think if they do it right and say the right things, perhaps say it enough time, then maybe their God will do what they want. And if we view prayer as just something we do, then perhaps we worry too much about doing it right or get upset, beat ourselves up if we don't think we're doing it right. But instead, prayer is a relationship built on faith, isn't it? Praying from the heart, being honest. It's not about technique. It's not about the right words. It's about coming to God humbly and honestly. I would love to recommend a couple of books. This first one, I know many of you have seen it, How to Pray by Pete Gregg, or Grieg, I can never remember. An excellent book on prayer, and there's also an online course uh, that's good as well with lots of videos. And I honestly think, of all the things I've read, there's a bit of advice that Pete gives in this book, which I think, from everything I've read about prayer, is probably the best thing I've ever read. And it's this. Pete says, when you pray, keep it simple, keep it real, keep it up. And I've never found anything, I think, better than that for prayer. Keep it simple. Just pray. Just say what you want to say. Don't worry about particular phrases or praying like other people. Keep it real. Be honest with God. Just tell him what's on your heart. Tell him what you're, what, what you're thinking about. Be honest. You don't have to hide about anything. And keep it up. Keep praying. I'd also just like to recommend this book uh, by Michael Reeves called Enjoy Your Prayer Life. It's incredibly short, and it's only about a pound. I got it the other day, and I found this really, really helpful. It's called Enjoy Your Prayer Life by Michael Reeves. So keep it simple, keep it real, keep it up. Jesus also tells us that prayer is not for the purpose of informing God telling him something he didn't know already, just in case he didn't. He says, don't be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. I don't know about you, but it's so easy sometimes to come into prayer and just jump into a list of things that you need. Imagine a child only speaking to their parents when they wanted something. Actually, it's probably not so hard to imagine that, is it? A lot of children do that. But, you know, of course, parents are to provide their children things, what they need, of course. But actually, as I've said already, relationships are about talking. It's about enjoying life together. It's about sharing everything, not just provision. And of course, we're invited to ask God for many things, as we'll see in the Lord's Prayer. But Jesus sets out some things first to settle our hearts in, to before him right first, to come into his presence. And that's why we start our prayer meetings with a time of worship. It's important to focus on who God is and enjoy being in his presence. Think about the story of Martha and Mary in Luke 10. 
I don't know if you know this story. But Martha and Mary were sisters, and, and in Luke 10, Jesus goes to visit them in their home. And Martha was really distracted by serving, cooking, preparing things. And, she's, and, then, and it says there in the story that Mary stopped helping so that she could sit just at Jesus' feet and listen to his teaching. And Martha was so busy, she got so frustrated, and she says, Jesus, don't you care? Her priority was getting Jesus to do, to, to step in and sort things out for her. You can imagine her saying, look at everything I've got to do, Jesus. Whereas Mary stopped, stopped doing the things that needed to be done in that moment just to be in Jesus' presence. Jesus says to, to Martha, 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 you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. And what this means is Mary chose to be in the Lord's presence first. That was a good choice that she made. What's interesting is that this passage appears just before the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray. And Tim Keller describes the, uh, this as a picture of two prayer lives, Martha and Mary. I wonder, are you a Mary or a Martha? I know, sadly, I can be Martha a bit too often. I can feel overwhelmed with what I've got to do and what I need God to do right now. And I know sometimes I need to stop and be more like Mary and just enjoy being in God's presence and praise him, thank him, just listen to him. See, Martha focused on what she needed. Mary was focusing on who she needed. So you are Mary or a Martha in your prayer. I read an article recently with this great title. It said, Stop Praying for Stuff, Start Praying for God. And I thought it summed up this point really well because it said prayer is not about getting something, but about getting to know someone. And that someone's our Father in heaven. See, Jesus depended on his Father for everything. It says in John 5, the son, Jesus said this, he said, the Son can do nothing by his own accord. And if Jesus had to rely on his Father for everything, then certainly we do too. And thankfully, through the gospel, we can. As part of the Trinity, Jesus enjoyed fellowship with God the Father and the Spirit for all eternity. And then when he was born here as a man, he continued that fellowship through prayer. And Michael Reeves, in his book, he says this, Prayer is learning to enjoy what Jesus has always enjoyed. I love that. We get to enjoy prayer too, just like Jesus did. It's not a chore. It shouldn't be a chore or a duty, but something we enjoy. That's why our, the prayer opens with our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Notice the repetition. Pray to your Father in secret. Your Father sees you. Your Father knows what you need. And that's where our prayers should start with, our Father Everything else, I think, hangs on this. Knowing that we have a heavenly Father makes all the difference. Not just because Jesus taught us to say that, but actually Jesus made a way for us to say that. The salvation that he won for us on the cross means that we're accepted by God and we are children of God. He lived a perfect life so that we could be welcomed into the family. In 1 John 3, it says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. What a privilege to know we are children of God coming to our Heavenly Father. And Jesus prayed to his Father all the time because of his intimate relationship. You can see that in all his prayers. But at the cross, Jesus was separated from his Father so that we would never be. It's amazing. 
So let's approach our Heavenly Father with confidence, knowing that he, we are accepted because of Jesus. We're accepted as his children, and he is a perfect father. And knowing that he knows what we need means we aren't trying to beg from some, some far-off being, but actually we're coming to our loving, generous father. There's a parable in Luke 18 about the persistent widow. And we're told by Luke that the purpose of this uh, is to, to remind the disciples to pray persistently and not lose heart. Now in the parable, the widow comes to an, uh, an unrighteous judge and she has to keep asking and keep asking and eventually she wears this judge down and eventually he does what she asks him. But let's be careful about this parable because in some parables or many parables you see that each character represents a person or God but not so much in this parable. Be really clear on this one. God is not the judge. He's not like the judge. He is the opposite. He's, God is not a judge who has to be hassled by us and worn down by us. But he's the opposite. He wants us to pray. He wants us to ask. And by his nature, he is generous. So this parable is a contrasting parable. If the uncaring judge will still help, how much more will God help? How much more will God give us what we ask? Yes, we're called to be persistent, but we're called not to lose heart. God desires that we pray and is inviting us to ask, trusting that he cares about what we need. So when we pray, let's come in faith. It's not about technique or the right words or praying a certain way. It's about who we're praying to, and it's our Heavenly Father we pray to. John Calvin famously said that prayer is the chief exercise of faith. And what he means is it's our primary way to show how much faith we have in God. Jesus taught in Matthew 21, whatever you ask for in prayer, you will receive it if you have faith. Now, due to time, I'm not going to unpack everything in the Lord's Prayer, but I can sum up what we're called to pray for, everything. The Lord's Prayer shows us that we need to pray for everything. I love how uh, Kevin DeYoung, who's a, a, an author and um, preacher in America, he sums up what the Lord's Prayer teaches us to pray for. He says this, This prayer teaches us what we really need. God wants us to pray for everything to hallow his name. Everything we need to do his will. Everything we need to make it through today. Everything we need to flee the evil one. And everything we need to bring him glory. And I would just say that uh, Sai recently wrote a blog um, for the church website on prayer. If you haven't read it, I really highly recommend it. It's excellent. And part of that blog, he unpacks this, the, each line of the Lord's Prayer. So if you want to look more into that, then I recommend that, that blog. So the question is, why pray if God already knows what we need? As I said already, prayer is more than just asking for things. First, as we've already seen, prayer is about growing that relationship with God, deepening that relationship, to have fellowship with him. He loves you and wants to spend time with you. That's why we pray. Next, prayer is a way to express our trust in him. It shows we're depending on him when we ask him of something. See, prayer flows when you know that it's God you must rely on. It's hard to pray when you're depending more on yourself, isn't it? Next, we pray because God invites us to be involved in things that are eternally important. As Gruden puts it, prayer gives us the opportunity to be involved in a significant way in the work of the kingdom. In other words, 
our prayers really do matter. When we ask, God does respond. And God wants us to ask and he wants us to be involved. And there's nothing too small we can ask him. There's nothing too big we can ask him. Whether it's praying for healing, for salvation, praying for you know, wars in other countries, whether it's praying for financial uh, provision, there is nothing that we can't ask him for and he wants us to ask. And our prayers really do matter. And lastly, when we pray, we actually give glory to God. Every time we praise him, every time we thank him, every time we depend on him, he gets the glory. Amen? Yeah. So God wants us to pray, delights when we pray, but prayer is not always easy, is it? I wonder how, how, well, how easy you find prayer. Thankfully, God doesn't leave us to just sort it out ourselves, but graciously wants to help us. In Hebrews 7, we read, read that Jesus is interceding for us. Now, there's different ways we can pray and different things we can pray for, but when we pray for others, it's called intercession. It means to stand in between, to pray on behalf of someone else. And it's amazing that Jesus is doing that for us. So when you're praying, you're not praying on your own, but Jesus is praying for you and with you. And the Holy Spirit prays for us too and helps us pray. In Ephesians 6, Paul encourages us to put on the full armor of God, and he says in verse 18, pray at all times in the Spirit with prayer and supplication. And Jude says it in his letter too. He says, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. And as Anna reminded us two weeks ago, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit daily. Oswald Sanders writes this, prayer is a superhuman task and demands more than a human power. I don't know if any of you relate to that. But he also says that praying in the Spirit releases supernatural resources for mind, heart, and body. So the Holy Spirit reassures, reassures us of our salvation as we pray, gives us the desires to pray, and can align us to God's will as we pray. In Romans 8, Paul shows us how the Holy Spirit helps us. He says this, The Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what to pray for, as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. I find these words so encouraging. Firstly, I love the honesty there. You know, we are weak. Prayers isn't always easy. Whether it's finding the motivation to pray, or being persistent in prayer, or perhaps even finding the faith and what we're praying for. But as this verse says, the Spirit will help us, wants to help us. If we know we're weak, then we don't have to pretend, do we? Or force ourselves to do better in our prayer. Let's rely on the Spirit to help us. Let's come honestly to God and invite the Spirit in to help. And it's in the Spirit that God can speak to us, put things on our hearts to pray for, perhaps give us an answer to prayer that we've, we've asked him. So when we pray, we're never alone. We come to the Father with the help of the Spirit, knowing that Jesus is praying on our behalf too. What a privilege to be a part of that eternal fellowship. Amen? Amen. Can I invite the band back up, please? Just as I sum up. So prayer is simply talking to God. Let's not overcomplicate it. You can talk to him anywhere, 
You can talk to him about anything at any time. And as children, you are invited into his presence. Just as you are to grow in the relationship with him, you have the privilege of coming to your heavenly father. He knows what you need, but invites you to ask in faith and in the power of the Holy Spirit. And God gets the glory every time you thank him and every time you rely on him. She's going to finish from reading from Psalm 145. It says, The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You, desire, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him to all who call on him in truth. Amen? Amen. Can I invite you to stand? I'd love to pray. And as, uh, just before we start singing, it'd be great to settle your hearts before God, perhaps to keep it simple, keep it honest with him, and just be real with God for a moment. If there's anything on your heart that you just want to bring before him now, bring it honestly. And... Uh, There'll be people at the front here to pray with you at the end. If there's anything we can pray with you for, please come to the front. But let's pray. Oh, Father God, thank you. You are a loving Father. Thank you that we are your children. Thank you that we come to you as we are. We don't have to put on a performance. We don't have to get the right words. We don't have to pray in any certain direction or any certain time or with any particular way of doing it. We can just come as we are and be honest with you. We thank you, you love to hear our prayers. We thank you for the privilege of the relationship that you offer to us. We thank you, you hear every word. And we thank you, you know what we need before we even ask. And we thank you that you love to spend time with us. Help us to come to you more in prayer. Help us to spend that time, quality time with you, enjoying the presence of our Father. Help us when we are weak, because we are. I pray for more of your spirit over us all, that we would have a hunger to spend time in prayer with you, just talking and listening. Father, we thank you that you are offering so much to us to help us. And I pray, God, that you would help us in our prayer time. Help us to come to you as we are. Help us to be honest. Help us to be humble. We do rely on you for everything. You are the one who has made a way. You are the one who breaks chains. So, Father, we just thank you again. Amen.